SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A Tuesday right here on the morning after has already begun with some energy on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid network that is growing. Welcome to the LG USA family here on the Spiz Grizz as well. I am Ben Stevens, and for this opening hour, the energy is already high. Why, you may ask? Well, old K Dubs Kevin Walsh is here as well. One of the co-hosts of the early and money line each and every weekday, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time, and then 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on your Sirius XM channel 159 radio dial as well. Okay, Dubs, I know you're feeling good on this Tuesday morning. I feel fantastic. You know, and I'm glad you brought up LG USA. A lot of people don't know this. The LG, uh, it does stand for LeBron Goat. So excited to have them in the mix. They absolutely belong here on a day where the king goes for 38, 12, and 11 in a win uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Did you just think of that? Did that just come to you, or has that been yeah. in the works since the early line? No, no, no. That that just that just happened right there. I I mean, listen, you, you just got to figure it out. Look, I mean, I can't say it's my best work. I'm happy with it. I think it was fine. Right. I think it was. I think you know what I mean. It's like when LeBron gives he gives you 26, eight and five. You're like, listen, is right. it better than what anybody else is bringing? Sure, but it wasn't his, his best. And that's pretty much what I gave you right there. It's like me saying the Mac, but we'll save that later on in the show. We'll go around the association later in this opening hour. Well, Kevin will get to highlight LeBron James for 14 minutes of time. We'll also check in with the NCAA tournament and how the path lays out for the national championship contenders to cut down the nets as a national title winner less than two weeks away. But we begin in the NFL because the quarterback carousel does not stop it never does it never will it seems in the National Football League the next move up Matt Ryan no longer an Atlanta Falcon he has been traded to the Indianapolis Colts Matt Ryan shipped to Indianapolis in exchange for a third round pick so Kevin I ask you this as we look at the odds for Indianapolis this upcoming season Matty Ice now in Indy the Colts are tied with the Tennessee Titans to be a favorite in that AFC South division at plus 120. Their odds worked up in the AFC. They are now 13 to 1, but still trailing the leaders of the pack there in that conference. And in the Super Bowl now, 24 to 1. So Matt Ryan, now the quarterback in Indianapolis. What does it do for the Colts? Well, look, whenever you can downgrade the quarterback position while pretending you're going to compete for a Super Bowl, that's what you got to do if you're the cult, right? This is ridiculous. I feel like I am living on a different planet. 37-year-old Matt Ryan, who finished his last nine games of the regular seasons with an outstanding five touchdowns to six interception ratio, is meant to come in here and save the Indianapolis Colts. You mean to tell me? That this team was a two-week meltdown away from, what, extending Carson Wentz and making him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL? I mean, how were decisions even made in Indianapolis these days? And let me remove Wentz. They would have been better off with Baker. And sell me on the idea that Baker's down season was all through injury. I know why Matt Ryan was bad. Arm. Toast. Bad for the Colts. 
They're tied for eighth to win the AFC. They're not as good as the Titans, who are the number one seed in the conference. They're not making the playoffs. I mean, when you think about where they stack up from an odds perspective, now tied with the Tennessee Titans mm. atop the AFC South, it is interesting when you look at the conference overall. But first, a welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of the morning after on a Tuesday. Sirius XM Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. He is Kevin Walsh. And he is here for the opening hour of TMA on this Tuesday. Now, the Indianapolis Colts, 13 to 1 in the AFC, tied for the eighth best odds with the Tennessee Titans. They are also tied atop that division right now at plus 120. The winner of that division will get a playoff berth, but where they stack up in the AFC is interesting, both with the eighth best odds it shows even if they win the division a lot of ground to make up to have a true chance of contending for a conference crown so Matt Ryan leaving the NFC South and it's not just the ramifications for the AFC South or Indianapolis specifically Kevin it's also what happens in his place because as soon as he was traded the Atlanta Falcons signing Marcus Mariota who reunites with his former offensive coordinator in Tennessee in Arthur Smith now the head coach in Atlanta but it was not just that move in the NFC South it was also Jameis Winston re-signed by the New Orleans Saints so an NFC South division Kevin that is dominated at least from an odds perspective by the Bucks right now I think it's pretty much just a crapshoot in the NFC South outside of Tampa Bay yeah you know the tough part of it is the NFC not the AFC right in terms of the competitiveness it feels like there's a I mean look seven teams are getting into the postseason I can't wait I hope right we go oh we need to fix the playoff format. We can't do this. 14 best records. Cut it out. We're gonna. I'm going to tell you right in advance. Enough. Nobody cares. Too bad Russell Wilson shouldn't have gone to the Denver Broncos. I won't feel a mm. single bit bad when he doesn't play playoff football again this upcoming season. Not a single bit. Won't be my fault when Brandon Staley can't cut the mustard. At the end of the day, now, now the Falcons are terrible. The Saints maybe, yeah. though. Maybe. The problem for me is not that Jameis is coming off of a massive injury. It's he's coming back to a team that's no longer coached by a guy that was one of the best coaches in the sport. And Sean Payton. I have a lot of questions around the Saints still because of that absence. There's a lot of questions around the entire NFC South. And the QB carousel has moved the market. We look at that next on TMA. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The quarterback carousel in the NFL continues to spin around and around we go. Let's take a look at some of the new faces in new places for this upcoming season. Right now, on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. So, as we look at where these quarterbacks are, of course, the biggest blockbuster deals. Russell Wilson, now a Denver Bronco. Deshaun Watson, also in the AFC, a member of the Cleveland Browns. Tom Brady retired and then unretired and is now back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Carson Wentz, a member of the Washington Commanders. Marcus Mariota, signing with the Atlanta Falcons yesterday. And Mitch Trubisky, signing with the Steelers as well. Aaron Rodgers returning to Green Bay. All that goes into some of these quarterbacks now 
in the National Football League. So based on where these quarterbacks are in their new homes, the market has moved tremendously for this upcoming 2022 NFL season in the hopes of everybody winning a Lombardi trophy in Super Bowl 57. Let's look at that Super Bowl market and where it has moved in a segment aptly known as Market Movers. Ah, there he is. Old K-Dubs back in the mix. I am Ben Stevens right here on a Tuesday on the morning after. So the market that we have on your left is where the odds were prior to free agency beginning at the end of January. The odds on the right, that would be where the market currently stands to win next year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57. We begin at the top in alphabetical order with the Denver Broncos, who were 35 to 1 back at the end of January. Cleveland, 30 to 1. The Bucs had the shortest odds on this list at the time because Tom Brady still had not officially or unofficially retired at that moment at 10 to 1. Indianapolis, 28 to 1. The Atlanta Falcons, 65 to 1. The Seahawks, 35 to 1. And the Steelers, 50 to 1. All relatively long odds. I think the biggest move, of course, the Denver Broncos, down by $20, 35 to 1 to 15 to 1 and then Kev when you look at those bucks right there I think that's where we begin 10 to 1 prior to free agency getting underway and once Tom Brady unretired they became the favorites in the NFC now at 7 to 1 to win the Super Bowl the second shortest odds by themselves yeah the you know I really hope that Brady came back because he looked around and said Listen, I can't pass this up. This is going to be a cakewalk to a one seed in in an NFC championship game, uh, ideally. Because, now, we don't know if that will be. But to put this into perspective, if you told me, hey, Tom's going to miss a month of football, do you still think the Bucs win the South? Yes. Like a resounding yes. The gap between them and the rest of that division is unbelievable. The reality around Green Bay is, again, there's a force field around that group from achieving what you think they will. And the wide receiver room now was one of the absolute worst in the NFL. It remains completely embarrassing that Rodgers ultimately somehow wasn't swayed by somebody else than the Denver Broncos to legitimately consider going elsewhere. I don't need to unpack all of that again. And the Rams are very, very good, but... We know that the AFC West will still have an air of competitiveness to it that we do not anticipate coming from the NFC South. Please do not dare put the Dallas Cowboys in this conversation. They simply don't belong at this table. Tampa Bay is in the driver's seat, and they really should be. Again, there's no one that can explain to me why the Buffalo Bills are the favorites to win a Super Bowl aside from people keep betting the Buffalo Bills. The Bucs should be in front of them. Their pathway is easier. That's the reality of it. They've done more. They've proven more. There's nothing there that says that the Bills should be in front of Tampa Bay. I think that is an incredible point because right now you look at the AFC and it is an absolute gauntlet from top to bottom right now. We just shared the Indianapolis Colts and their odd movement based on Matt Ryan becoming the new quarterback in Indianapolis. Sure, they are tied atop the AFC South for the best odds to win that division with the former number one seed last year in the AFC playoffs in the Tennessee Titans. And both of those teams are tied for the eighth shortest odds to win the conference title overall. If one of those teams wins the 
AFC South division, they get an automatic bid into the playoffs and would host an AFC playoff game in that opening round by way of winning that division, and they still have the eighth best odds. That shows you how much of a competitive conference the AFC is going to be this year. The Bucs are minus 320 to win the NFC South. Minus 320 on today, March 22nd, a Tuesday in the spring before we even get going. A minus 320 price is a price, Kevin, you see on a team after week 12 when they have a three-game lead in their division. That is how sorry the NFC South looks outside of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Bucs had the second-best odds last year to win the Super Bowl in the preseason. Of course, two years ago, they were the Super Bowl champions. And I don't understand why Buffalo is ahead of Tampa Bay. Not because I think Tampa is a better team than the Buffalo Bills, but the path to get there is ridiculous. They are minus 320. Now with Devontae Adams in Las Vegas, the Packers have fallen down the NFC championship board. The Bucs are the favorites there by nearly a dollar and a half at plus 350. That is where Tampa stands in my mind. And you look at some of those other prices, Kev, in the NFC, like the Falcons now 100 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. The Seahawks 80 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. That goes to show you what quarterbacks can do in this marketplace and now how wide open the NFC is for the most consistent quarterback that we know in NFL history to get back to the promised land once more. Yeah, 100%. And though to your point about a team like the Falcons, the Seahawks. There are a couple of teams in the NFC that I think you can just kind of eliminate from the word go. Those two, the Lions will fit that description as well. I'm telling you right now, man, NFC is going to be interesting. Bird's going to look to compete. Made the postseason last year. Dallas likes to pretend they can contend for a Super Bowl. At some point, people will put heat on their quarterback, though, for coming up short. Yes. Washington got better at the quarterback position. That's the reality of it. And the Giants upgraded at coach big time in a monstrous way. And maybe that can make the difference there. Listen, whether people like it or not, seven teams will be in the playoffs from the NFC. Wouldn't surprise me if two of them come from the NFC East. It would be a good point. I mean, that's where that division can be right now. Again, the NFC odds, when you saw them in that last segment, the Rams should not be discredited. They are the reigning Super Bowl champs, tied for the second-best price to win mm -hmm. that conference once again at plus 490 with the Packers. They will certainly make some noise, but the path for the Bucks is as simple as you can get right now in the preseason as we have seen in recent history. So we compare it, Kevin, of course, to the AFC because some of that large market movement that we saw on that board for the Cleveland Browns and for the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl marketplace. Denver, their odds cut by $20, 35 to 1 to 15 to 1 now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. For the Browns, 30 to 1 to 18 to 1. Yes, much better odds, such substantial market movement, but still not even in the top three best odds in their own conference. A lot of ground to make up. And Kev, I think if you play in the AFC, specifically the AFC North and the AFC West, you're going to beat up on one another to an extent that your overall record might suffer as it relates to that playoff push. And that, again, how they're going to justify Buffalo being favorites in the AFC over Kansas City, which I can hear. But to the Denver point, you cannot overstate how much better Russell Wilson is than what they've been running out at quarterback. But you mm -hmm. can overstate what Denver is going to be this year. Look, the Chiefs 
are the Chiefs. They have dominated not just this division, but this conference since Patrick Mahomes has been a part of it. The Los Angeles Chargers are everyone's darling. And at some point, we'll see if they can fulfill those prophecies. The Vegas Raiders were in the playoffs last year. Upgraded at coach, had the best defense from DVOA in the division, and added the best wide receiver in the sport. Denver might be 7-10 and and last in their division. The second longest odds right now for the Broncos. Speaking of paths, we go back to the NCAA tournament next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What does a path look like to a national championship? That's what we dissect right now for the big dance on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 159, all across the Sports Grid network, alongside old K Dubs Kevin Walsh for the opening hour of TMA on this Tuesday. I am Ben Stevens. A couple of days off from the NCAA men's basketball tournament that allows us to reset. Now, with just 16 teams left in the field, all in hopes of winning a national title, what do the paths look like to New Orleans? for the Final Four, and ultimately to play in that national championship game. That's what we break down right now. So let's look big picture first off by taking a look at those national championship odds because, Kevin, right now, Gonzaga remains the favorite, plus 240. But yesterday, we saw the shortest price we have ever seen all season long on Gonzaga at plus 200. That is now plus 240 40 cents of movement against the Zags in this market. Kansas move up the board five to one right now at plus 500 for the Jayhawks. We'll discuss why that is in just a moment. Arizona, who had the second best price entering the tournament, now the third best price at plus 650. Purdue out of that East region that has taken many a hit to its number one and number two seed plus 800 in the Houston Cougars, who the metrics have loved all year long. Now the fifth best price, Kev, at plus 850. So big picture first, what do you make of the national championship market as it sits 48 hours out from the start of the Sweet 16? Most stunning thing to me is the Houston movement. And I guess this is where expectation can really, really shade then the outcomes. What I mean by that is, I'm in a survivor pool. I picked Houston to survive on that day versus Illinois because I thought they were the better team. And I know that Illinois was the four seed. I don't know if you say lower or higher. It throws me off every single yeah. time. But they were the they were the four Three. seed in that matchup. Illinois is from a certainly more prominent conference and maybe a more prominent team. Kofi Coburn is more well-known than any of the key players on a Houston Cougars team, but Houston was better. And they proved that with no doubt. And then Arizona plays TCU to a very, very tight overtime game. Some folks believe TCU was robbed on a non-foul call. I 
and this is not because I think Arizona wins a national championship. Thought it was a good non-foul call. Felt like a flop. And ultimately, they went to overtime. Me, you know, no harm, no foul. Arizona, you know, showed out they were the better basketball team. I think what you're seeing, though, now is an overrating of the two performances. Metrics love Houston. They like Arizona more. Mm. Arizona is still the better basketball team. I still think Arizona moves on. Those odds, you know, suggest that if Houston gets through Arizona, they're going to be laying two, three, four points to a Villanova if that team were to get through. Again, I'm surprised by that. I think as we get closer to game, people continue to bet Arizona, and I'll agree with those people. I think still Arizona will be coming out of that South region. The metrics have loved Houston all year. They continue to. The Cougars are ranked ahead of Arizona according to those efficiency metrics from Ken Palm. And now the odds are starting to love the Cougs as well. This line between Arizona and Houston in that Sweet 16 matchup in the South region on Thursday evening opened at two and a half in favor of Zona. It is now down to just one and a half, still in favor of Arizona, but one of the shortest spreads we will see in the entire Sweet 16. The South region is incredibly compelling right now. The only region of the four available on the FanDuel Sportsbook where every team has a plus money price next to their name to emerge out of that region and represent that part of the bracket in the final four. Kev, in the West, it has been a story that we have known about Gonzaga for the last month, month and a half. The Zags have been in minus money to reach the final four since the middle portion of February, and they are still in minus money to reach the final four out of that West region. And again, this is the idea, the path that you have to reach the final four out of your region by winning that part of the bracket. And Gonzaga, minus 165 at the moment. Texas Tech and Duke, even at plus 400, and then Arkansas, who plays Gonzaga in the Sweet 16, is 10 to 1. The minus money price, Kevin, on the Zags would indicate they have a great shot of reaching the Final Four and having a great shot at winning the national championship. That's why their odds to do so are the favorite price at plus 240. But it's Texas Tech and Duke with the same number at 4 to 1, with a one-point spread for the Red Raiders and Blue Devils matchup in the Sweet 16 that catch my eye more than anything, Kev. So what's what's very interesting about this region is it's the only one that has essentially had chalk move through. One, two, three, and four all remain. I agree. I can't wait for Duke, Texas Tech. But ultimately, I didn't even have Texas Tech playing this game. But then again, that's because I thought Bama would beat them. That certainly wasn't even a game, was it? Now, those teams Go did Irish. not play. And Notre Dame almost, though, were able to take out Texas Tech. I've been very impressed by Duke throughout their two games here in the tournament. I've told you this in the build-up to the tournament. I've bought in on Duke. I have them playing in the national championship game. Nothing has happened through the opening two rounds to change my tone. But I want to ask you about Arkansas. Arkansas and Gonzaga, neither one has covered a number yet in the tournament. Correct. The difference is Arkansas is playing Vermont and New Mexico State. However, Gonzaga laid roughly a billion to Georgia State in the first half and were up by two. Yep. You had a great pick that day. You told the people Georgia State in the first half, tremendous ticket. And then they were down double digits at the break to Memphis. Arkansas has covered both halves, up 7 and 11 in their two games at the end of one. Gonzaga has three losses, and they trailed at the break in all three of those games. 
Gonzaga is not going to win this championship going vintage Mahomes Chiefs. Here's the lead. We'll figure this game out when we think it's time. They cannot continue to flirt with fire. And this Arkansas team has been as hot as anyone. And I know they left a bit to be desired in that closing game for them in the SEC tournament. And I know people were expecting more, playing a 13 and then a 12. Those were good teams, though, ultimately in both of those seeds here. Gonzaga is a team that I think needs to come out firing versus Arkansas and not rely on 55 second-half points to save their bacon again. Absolutely so. Gonzaga has been a wonderful live bet at the half in both of their opening games here in the NCAA tournament. But this is a step up in competition. You can see the total for that game at 154. Why? Both teams have a very fast tempo, both playing in the top 30 of adjusted tempo in all of college basketball. But the difference with this Arkansas team that I think we will see from the must bus against the Zags is they rank 14th in defensive efficiency that nine point spread is a big one and it makes sense and gonzaga deserves the prices that the zags have had all year but it's a big one where arkansas who covered in 14 of their last 17 entering the ncaa tournament can certainly at least cover for you one final time so that's the west kevin gonzaga is minus 165 out of the midwest kansas has the best odds of any team right now to reach the final four as you look at the midwest region odds i want to make sure we have the updated number on the kansas jayhawks because it is working even more in their favor from the price of yesterday it was minus 180 yesterday it is now minus two bills minus 200 for kansas to win the midwest region we have said all along the midwest region was the most up in the air because of that two seed being the auburn tigers and now out of the NCAA tournament. The three in Wisconsin lacks some luster as well, and now they are out as well. And Providence, as the four seed, was supposed to lose in the round of 64. It will be Kansas in that four <laughs> seed in Providence in the Sweet 16. But, Kev, again, as we talk about a path to the Final Four and a path to a potential national championship game, Kansas right now at minus 200, a strong indication the Jayhawks are going to New Orleans. Yeah. It'd be a real shame, though, if the luckiest team oh. in the history of college basketball played a double-digit seed in the Elite Eight, wouldn't it? Here's the thing, man. There is no world. I haven't broke this game down yet. There isn't a trend you can put in front of my face that will tell me to lay the points with Kansas. This is what Providence does. Well, first of all, I know it helps that Providence has been a fantastic dog throughout this season off the top of my head. But listen. Yep. Pro and, and by the way, and, and Ben knows this and Ben's similar, I love, I love additional information. Shot quality, things like that, they're fun. It adds context. We're getting – it just feels a little wild that after every Providence game that they win, they were supposed to lose by 20 based on shot quality. And you know what? Then fine. Someone tap out, though, and say, you got us. They're just going to be the luckiest team in the history of college basketball. This team is 80-1 to one to win a national championship, and they sit here in the Sweet 16. And the beauty of this is, when you look at those Midwest region odds, people would say, well, Providence has the longest odds because they have to play Kansas. 
Well, that didn't stop everybody booking UConn in front of Providence in the Big East tournament when they had to play Villanova. No, it's not because they have to play Kansas. It's because if Providence beats Kansas, they're still only going to be a two-point favorite versus a 10 or an 11 in the Elite Eight game. But they're giving you plus 650 on the Friars once more. You can take that money line ticket with you to a potential Midwest Regional Final against a 10 seed or an 11 seed. By the way, Kevin mentioned the trends. Yeah, the Friars are 8-1 and one against the number as a dog this year. Around the association, we go next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. In this month of March, from a basketball perspective, it's not just a big dance. We're coming down to the final 10 games of the NBA regular season, setting up playoff positioning in both conferences across the entire association. So around the association we go right now. On the morning after, on a Tuesday, on SportsGrid with Kevin Walsh, I am Ben Stevens. In this opening hour, and then we bring you up until noon Eastern time as well. I'm going to say one quick thing here, and then the floor is yours, K-Dubs. LeBron puts on his show last night in his return to Cleveland. The Lakers went outright as a five-point underdog, 131-120. Kevin, go ahead. Now listen. Now listen. There are a lot of ways to attack such a stat line. Vintage Braun giving you the rebounds and assists. The King helping out the people, betting over 30 and a half points. Number was light. Book didn't. Book wasn't aware. Goes back to Cleveland, dominates, going after a scoring title, dominates. But let's take a step back. Forget the fact that this team went out there and beat the Cavs and is starting to play a little bit better basketball. Forget Russell Westbrook's plus 23 in the box score deserves some credit for it. Big picture. Historic. History of this sport. LeBron James is labeled not a scorer, and yet is the best scorer in the history of the NBA. I want you to think about that for a second. His best skill set is seemingly not scoring, and nobody's ever been better than him at scoring. And you might, that's ridiculous, man. Well, he's going to end up with the most points all time. Oh, but that's, that's volume. That's volume. Well, he's going to lead the NBA in scoring in year 19 at 30 points per game. The best point per game average for a player in year 19 was under 15 points per game. And here's the other reality. As LeBron sits there tied for fourth most point per game average across a career, right? season-by-season basis. The folks in front of him, Michael, who, of course, I know people would have in this conversation, 15 years. Elgin Baylor, less than 15. Wilt Chamberlain, 15. KD hasn't even played 15 yet. So here's what we'll do. If those guys want to be the best scorers of all time, go back out on the court and play another five years. Let's see what your point-per-game averages look like in year 16, 17, 18, 
and see if you still hold on to that 30-point-per-game average when you were averaging 20 a game in Washington. There are people out there who said LeBron went to Los Angeles to focus on movies and Hollywood and advertisements. He went to Los Angeles to win a title, a scoring title, an assist title, a finals MVP, and still be better than all of your favorites. Respect the crown. Long may he reign. I'm not entirely sure how to follow that up, so I'll just say the Lakers have gone over now in six of their last eight games. <laughs> they are 10 delayed games below 500, but they are one game up over New Orleans in that ninth spot in the Western Conference, three games ahead of the San Antonio Spurs to remain in that play-in as it stands right now looking at the Western Conference playoffs. 38 points, 12 dimes, 11 boards, and a dunk over Kevin Love that set the internet ablaze last night. The second straight game with 38 points for LeBron James, the king for a reason. Now, the Lakers need a little bit of work to make sure they can stay in that playing spot, but as we just shared, they have that lead. The Cleveland Cavaliers, also a one-game advantage currently over the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference for that sixth spot ahead of Toronto in the number seven seed at the moment. You take a look at the Eastern Conference odds right here. Cleveland, the sixth seed in the East, but the seventh best odds 36 to 1 a pretty far drop off from where the Celtics are with the fifth best price at plus 650 those two teams with the third and fourth best odds in the Eastern Conference met last night in Philadelphia and it was the Sixers closing as an eight-point underdog because James Harden did not play nor did Joel Embiid but yet the Sixers win by seven winning outright as a eight-point dog against Miami, who Kev was at full strength. Kyle Lowry was there. Jimmy Butler was there. Bam Adebayo started for the Heat as well. What did you make of Philadelphia's performance last night, pulling off the upset at home as an eight-point underdog? Even when Philly wins, they lose. The best win of the Harden tenure is without Harden and Embiid? You got to be kidding me. How is that good for this team? Please, I hope someone tells me that... <laughs> When we go on, if we get a Heat Sixers playoff series, oh, man, I like what Philly brings to the table. I mean, they beat this group without and beating Harden. Certainly won't be something being said, right? I mean, you'd think that Corkmaz, Milton, Maxi, one, two, three. I mean, you know what? To be fair, maybe they'll be better off sending that big three out there than the Embiid and Harden one. I don't know. Maybe because every single time Embiid and Harden have to step up to the plate, Verse 18, it feels like it comes up short unless it's the Cavs, but the Cavs have had their card pulled. It was a nice first half of the season, but it is mm. what it is. It's how the NBA operates. It's just the truth of the matter. Look, Philly basically plays a game a week from today versus Milwaukee. I don't care if they sit and beat and harden every single game until then. Win that game. That's all I want. Win one game versus a top team in the East so you can say we're for real. And I'll tell you this now. If mm. they don't, and I don't know if they will, and the Bucks enter that game playing very good basketball as they've been playing lately, I don't really know what the argument will be 
for Embiid over Giannis in the MVP. And it's not a one-game thing. They average the same points per game. They have the same record. If Giannis jumps him in points per game and record while being as good as everywhere else on the on the on every single facet of the basketball court, what is Embiid's argument? It's that he's never won it before? I mean, I guess that's the reality. I, look, right. Jokic is done in the MVP race. I know that the advanced analytics crowd will be crestfallen over that, but it is true. He went to Philly, they won the game, and he dropped out of the race because he was not good enough in the game. But Giannis is not done yet. Doncic was eliminated over the weekend. Giannis is still in this race. They have three straight primetime games coming up at the back end of March that will be Memphis, Brooklyn, and Philly. They go 3-0, 10-1 on Giannis. I promise you will not be there. The odds right now would say that Giannis is certainly done in the race and that Joel Embiid has wrapped it up. Minus 165 to win the NBA MVP on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Giannis, the third best number at 10-1, to 1, but maybe, Kevin, giving you that early look into some value on Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is up tonight against the Chicago Bulls. We'll get to that game in yeah. just a minute. You saw Philly there, plus 350, the third best odds to win the Eastern Conference. A dollar or so ahead of Miami at plus 480. The Heat, despite the loss last night, still a two-and-a-half game lead for the top spot in the Eastern Conference standings. Above Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Boston, all currently two-and-a-half games back of Miami at the moment. That was a line flip. Philly opened as a one-and-a-half point favorite overnight on Sunday before we learned that Joel Embiid and James Harden would sit out, and that line worked to eight in favor of the Miami Heat. We also saw a line flip yesterday at the Barclays Center. Brooklyn opened up as a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Utah Jazz, and then it went flippity-flip past zero, and Brooklyn ended as a two-point underdog. CLV be damned because the Brooklyn Nets went out right at home, which this year, Kevin, has not happened often. 114-106, the victory this year now. 8-26-1 against the number inside the Barclays Center, but they've covered in two straight at home as an underdog. Brooklyn trending upward as well. Yeah, look, um, I'm sure a lot of people know I bet under 44.5 wins at the All-Star break on the Nets. It's a nightmare. Kevin Durant came back uh, earlier than I had anticipated. Uh, they won at Milwaukee with just Kyrie, and again, they embarrassed the Sixers with Durant and Kyrie available. And then picking up a win here versus the Jazz, again, certainly was not in the plan. Give the Nets credit. Kevin Durant is still one of the absolute very best players in the sport. And you saw that here, 37-9-8. But I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. This result is not the top story around this team. Nor is it Kyrie Irving and whatever's going to happen there. Ben Simmons has a herniated disc. Ben Simmons might need surgery. My expectation is Ben Simmons plays zero minutes for the Brooklyn Nets this season. They're not winning the NBA championship without Ben Simmons. We're not winning the East without Ben Simmons. Brooklyn, with their win over Utah, went from about minus 3,000 to make the play-in to minus 700 because they're basically saying, hey, maybe this team will get themselves out of the 7-8 mix and into a 6 seed. And that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. No, 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 no. They'll be in the play-in. And they'll continue to tax KD. And KD will gladly go out there and play 48 minutes because he loves it. I appreciate that about KD. Nope. Listen, Kevin Durant just loves playing ball, man. I, again, KD, the decision to go Golden State, I don't need to reopen all that. But but he's been everything you could ask for in Brooklyn. But the workload's going to be too much. 
play Miami in the opening round. And they're going to be dogs in Miami, and they're going to be dogs at home because they won't have Kyrie or Ben. The Nets are up against it. I still maintain they cannot be favorites in this division. They're not going to get a single minute from Ben Simmons this year, and that's not good. Katie, 37 points, but not the best score in the history of the NBA. Utah has been favored in 66 of 72 of their games this year. The Jazz now just 29-36-1 against the number as a favorite. The sixth worst cover percentage. Yes, a much larger sample size, but still the sixth worst cover percentage in the NBA. Quickly here, a look at the NBA championship odds that leads us into a big game tonight between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls. Because as Kevin mentioned... Can Brooklyn truly be favored to win the East and be tied for the second best price to win the NBA title without Ben Simmons into the fold and still some uncertainties around which roster can play where? Well, the Nets right now plus 600 tied with the Warriors for that second best price to win the NBA title right now. The favorites, the Phoenix Suns. You'll see the reigning NBA champions in the Milwaukee Bucks, Kevin, at plus 650. They are a six and a half point favorite tonight against the Chicago Bulls. You can dissect that game a little bit if you would like, but my question for you is this. You have raised your concerns, and rightfully so, about Philadelphia against the best teams in the East. Brooklyn, you just laid out the concerns for. Is it the Milwaukee Bucks in your mind emerging out of the Eastern Conference? Uh, look, I still love Miami. The problem is this bracket is going to get wild because for me, I'll make money ideally on Miami in an opening round series bet versus Brooklyn than worrying about odds to then win the entirety of the East. If Milwaukee and Philly are set to play one another in a 2-3 home court can maybe be the absolute difference maker there. See, again, I would be not as hard on Brooklyn if – the whole conference was just like f- five to one. But the problem is that, again, they just they remain in front of everybody. And again, I, I can't agree with that. I'll sneak you in a pick here, though, quickly on the Milwaukee game. I think you'll over the total Please. at 231 and a half. Ten and four to the over Chicago when playing without rest. These teams met about two weeks ago. Total was 240, 240 and a half. I think you're getting a lot of value here now to come over this listed number. I don't think the Bulls win this game. 0-15 against the top three seeds in each conference. We round out Hour 1 next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our number one of the morning after on this Tuesday, right here on the Spiz Grizz, otherwise known as the Sports Grid Network. Ben Stevens and Kevin Walsh and OK Dubs has been here for the entirety of the opening hour. But before he goes, before he departs on this Tuesday, we get his thoughts on your thoughts and a path to the national championship in the 2022 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. We do that right now in Fade the Public. Just three of the four one seeds in the big dance have made it to the Sweet 16 and the second weekend. So so from those three remaining number one seeds, who has the easiest path 
to a national championship? We know how the FanDuel Sportsbook feels about this question, but we wanted to ask the public as well. And the public currently agreeing with the FanDuel Sportsbook that Kansas at minus 200 to win the Midwest region, the best odds to reach the Final Four, has the best path. 40% of the public saying that. Gonzaga in second, Arizona in third out of those number one seeds still left in the field. Kevin Walsh, are you fading the public and the FanDuel Sportsbook? No, I'm not. I'm not. It, look, it is Kansas. I will say, I wish you put Providence there instead of Kansas. Yeah, that would have been way funnier. Because that would have been a real that would have been a real tough scene for those for the Arizona Gonzaga anti Providence folks. Because like does Providence have an easier path than both Gonzaga and Arizona? If you wow. if you kind of line it up, it's something to consider. I'm just like I mean Gonzaga and Arizona are those two teams, but like Houston is of Kansas caliber, Arkansas isn't of. Uh, Kansas, but maybe isn't too far off. Then, I mean, Nova, Duke are better than Iowa State and Miami. I'm just saying Providence maybe with the second easiest path to the Final Four. Not wow. people are saying it. Something to think about there out of the Midwest region. That has become the dumpster fire we almost expected it to be, but it sets up well for teams out of that side of the bracket. Kevin Walsh, the host of The Early Line, or one of the co-hosts, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time every weekday. We're back next.